0: scoobies alba up at the top here to give you guys a brief content warning on the episode you're about to listen to just to tell you that this episode does have spoilers through season seven so up to you whether or not you want to listen and i just wanted to give a brief content warning on some themes that we touch on while discussing this episode we don't go too deep into these themes in particular but we do touch upon them so if they're very triggering to you here is your warning we talk about alcohol and drug abuse. We also mention white supremacy and police violence, mental health, and we do discuss sex trafficking. So there's your content warning uh, before getting into this episode. Also comically, Mac and I forgot to let everybody know where you can find us while we were recording. I think we just got really excited and we're pretty tired by the end of this. So you can find me at alba.daza on Instagram and at alba.daza.com. You can find Mac at Mac Mac Talks Back on Instagram and on Twitter. That's M-A-C-K-M-A-C Talks Back. And uh, yeah, if you like this episode, if you like what you hear, you can support the work that we do over there within Buffering and in our own private lives. So excited to share this with you and hopefully see you at that Instagram live on Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Hi, Mac. Hey. (laughs) How's it going? going? Jinx. (laughs) Personal jinx lock. (laughs) All right. So today we have a very special episode where Mac and I will be discussing the BIPOC experiences of invisibility imposed by society and metaphors where we can find that in Buffy and episodes that we can compare... Our own personal experiences uh, reflected in the magic, the monsters, the storylines and narratives of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Also, it's a a deep dive into maybe some of the less obvious bits of invisibility than
0: what is normally talked about. So we're going to be talking about the denial of BIPOC reality. So the denial often of racism that exists. Uh, the denial of the society that we have to confront versus white people, what it feels like to be a person of color living in a society that was not designed for us to thrive, the denial of our existence when we move through society and feel like people literally don't look at you, don't acknowledge that you exist. And then we're also going to talk about denial of and by denial, I mean like den- like society's denial, you know, the, the, the system's denial in, in all of these different areas. So the denial that our work is valid, that we are constructive members of society, and that we have anything cont- anything to contribute because white supremacy tells us that people of color don't have anything to contribute, that we don't work hard, and that the work that we do is not as valuable as it truly is, right? Is that a good way of putting it, Mac? That's actually an excellent way of putting that. A plus. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so flattered. <laughs> I worked really hard on this. <laughs> it shows. Um and I, I also want to preface this. I was thinking a lot about before we were recording and after everything that happened in the States and, you know, everything that's been going on since June, that this episode isn't just to educate white people. Like this was really an opportunity that buffering gave us. They were like, have an episode, like do whatever you want. And it's not just to educate white people. It's also just to share our experiences, to have solidarity between you and I, right, Mac? And like talk about things that we don't get to talk about. When people talk about Buffy, they don't talk about this. They don't talk about generally our experiences. And hopefully there are other people, BIPOC listeners, who hear this and can relate and feel seen. Uh, I apologize, we apologize if we miss anything, please email us and let us know, super here to listen and learn and, uh, you know, our, obviously our experiences are not everyone's experiences and this is all in degrees depending on what kind of person of color you are.
1: Yeah, Um. I, yeah, I just want to add too that like, like I said previously, it's, it's about talking about the, some of the less spoken about types of invisibility, but also Two, it's who's framing the narrative. And I think that's what's important about this conversation is like two women of color framing the conversation about the invisibility versus a lot of hoity-toity critics we can all name uh, framing the conversation about visibility.
0: (laughs) So we're going to talk about different episodes, but all of these topics, you know, denial of reality, denial of existence, denial of Uh, value they're all interchangeable and connected and it's really kind of impossible to talk about one without talking about the other and when we do talk about certain episodes they will you know they will reflect different aspects of of invisibility even if we were like focusing on one specific topic
1: um as we go through these i actually have the transcript of them and there's A website, transcripts.foreverdreaming.org, where a lovely, lovely human being has transcribed every single episode of Buffy. Uh, So if, like, me, while talking, it's, like, really helpful to be able to go back and see the actual exchange, transcripts.foreverdreaming.org, and you can just search by title, and it's in order by season, so.
0: Hell yeah, that's awesome. So what struck me so much was we were actually going to do, like, a full watch of season one and just talk about season one. So it took us like a while to get to this topic because I thought like, oh, season one, like there's not that much. There's, well, there's the pack and there's, well, I was like, that's the main episode that is like super problematic in season one. But then I was watching it through the lens of, you know, my experience as a person of color. And I was like, whoa, there is so much here that I never noticed before because I didn't look at it through that lens. And the thing that stuck out to me the most and like, welcome to the Hellmouth and the harvest is that like there's the scoobies and they live in this reality where they know that there are monsters and demons and vampires well, at first just vampires, but they know that there's vampires and that there's evil in the world, like supernatural evil and nobody else wants to acknowledge that. And that they have this, like, secret little club where they're, like, reality is fucked. How do people not know this? And they have to, like, go and live and fight this specific thing while everybody else kind of gets to live in denial and think that, like, everything is fine. When clearly, obviously, it is very, very much not fine. Like, zero. Like, it's not even not fine. It's, like, negative fine.
1: Um, But what I also find interesting about it initially is, A, these kids go for the okie doke and are like, yeah, this tracks. Like, Xander and Willow are like, yep, okay, this is fine. Like, they have too chill of a reaction. Like, Cordelia. As much as we like to trash talk Cordelia sometimes for the way she behaves in the first, like, season or so, Cordelia has a really reasonable reaction (laughs) to, like, vampires. She does. But I think part of it, it speaks to willow you know being somewhat of an outcast she's very smart she's very messy she's very meek she's someone that people look over xander in his own head That's is it. just not masculine enough He
0: <laughs> and like buffy's like you can't come with me i'm the slayer and you're not and he's like i knew you were gonna throw that back in my face and it's like bro it's literally just a fact like it doesn't say anything about you literally only buffy is the slayer how is this about you now and you, like, being a man? I'm I'm putting air quotes for people who can't see me, but, like, ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I think it's their, already their sense of invisibility that makes them okay with being like, yeah, sure, vampires, that makes perfect sense, <laughs> considering how everyone else in, in school acts. So I think that's
0: also an yeah, interesting in- type of invisibility. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also Cordelia's privilege, like, that she gets to live this kind of charmed life that allows, like for the level of shock that she goes through when she's like, oh, wait, things are not perfect. Like, things are not good. There's different levels of response according to where they stand in the society of their school, at least in the show. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also interesting that someone who's as hyper-visible in Southern California as a 15-year-old blonde girl um, is our intro into this world of the unseen um, and, like, dark power. And I'm like... Very interesting. Somebody who would find it incredibly hard to be on the fringe and the edges and not draw attention to herself.
0: Yeah. And something else I thought was really interesting about all of this is that she can't even tell people that this is the reality because people will think she's crazy. Like no one will believe her basically. And isn't that such a reflection of racism even like when people will talk about – listen – I had this experience, oh my God, on this film set where we were talking about Get Out and one guy, I was like, it's amazing. It's so smart and original. And this one white guy was like, "Mm, it's like been done before. And I was like, where what are you talking about (laughs) yeah this one dude and then this other guy was like uh, to my reaction because i had a white boyfriend at the time and i was going to meet his family and i was so freaked out i was like please like do not touch me like after we watched that movie i was like just like no like no and he's like you know i would never do that to you i was like that's exactly what rose would say like don't just just no and uh and the this other guy who was there who was like the executive producer that of the film shoot that i was working he's like mm, don't you think that's like a little bit extreme and no. i was like no and then he like went on we had like a full argument for like half an hour where he was like don't and i was like listen dude like if i told you some of the shit that's like happened and like the experience that i've like, experiences I've had. He's like, mm, like, don't you think, like, some of those are, like, imagined, though? Hashtag, why are men? <laughs> yeah, literally, and he was like, mm, and I was like, no, and he was like, mm, and I was like, dude, no, but that's, that's it, right? That's, like, trying to explain our experience of, of racism and people just being like, no, 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 that didn't happen. Like, you're fully imagining that, and that's, very similar to what buffy and the gang have to go through if they were to tell anyone like remember when she in um killed by death she is like no we have to go fight the vampires and they're like oh no like it's the fever she's delusional it's fine you know or she's going to be sent to an insane asylum as you know we see in
1: uh season 6 yeah i mean it's also uh the principal of the school the first principal mm. like dude d- Dude, the number of times your campus has been invaded by something trying to kill one or more of your students. And for him to just be like, Miss Summers, why are you always causing trouble? Like, not causing, stopping the trouble. (laughs) Yeah. It's. Or just even to, like, and also, like, speaking to, like, the fever part, it's, it's like, uh, hysteria used to be how you diagnosed women who were just uncooperative or were, like, my husband's awful or I'm upset. Like, I want to be doing more than being stuck at home with kids, depending on what class you were. Some women just had to go to work. But, like, the diagnosis of hysteria of, like, not seeing the thing that causes pain, right? The modern equivalent is borderline personality disorder. Uh. It's so like there's a whole bunch of trauma there that you don't want to address and deal with because you'd have to deconstruct patriarchy. So you just say that they're untreatable. Uh, yeah, so I exactly. think it's it's a pretty that's a very on the nose I example with the fever, I like to I like to think.
0: And on that note, like not only does Buffy have to hide her identity as like the vampire slayer, but and like the denial of everyone around them that the vampires exist, that they're demons, that you know, shit is weird also makes everybody way more vulnerable like people are not safe if they were all prepared and we talked about this like if they were all prepared and carried stakes and carried crosses and carried holy water like how much safer would everybody be if they just accepted that like yes we this is a this we live on a hellmouth, and demons exist vampires exist and we're all like at risk you know if people acknowledged that racism was a thing it would and had tools to fight it i mean it's not as simple as a, i think you know carrying holy water but we would be able to di- we would be able to dismantle the system a lot easier i think if people would just fucking own up
1: yeah i mean and i think somebody on twitter was saying that it was it was it's wasp culture that has sort of brought mm. us to this point of you know talk about like was it politics, money, or religion? Um, <laughs> also, racism is, like, the fourth one that we don't talk about. Um, and I think that's that's very true. It's, like, if you have to... If you're breaking the veneer of nice, and I think that's a lot of what Sunnydale wants to do, right? It Judging from it, it's a suburban town, a college town. We discover they, they're big enough to have, essentially, a UC. So, like, it's a pretty nice town, frankly. To have a UC in it, you're either in the boonies with nothing um or you're in a pretty nice town. So, you know, the veneer of nice that the town has is what they're trying desperately to hold on to. Um and I think that's truly what it is unless that like people are like I don't see it. It's if we admit there's a problem. <laughs> you know, we're breaking some sort of weird silent code of niceness and pretend.
0: Step 1 baby, admit you have <laughs> a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and that's what happens right like we talked about how in graduation day finally it's like this the school at least at least the seniors with the at prom they give buffy the class protector award and they like prepare everyone and everyone has crosses and holy water and whatever they have all the tools they need to fight the vampires fight the mayor but it's only until then we've gone through three seasons of buffy where no one ever participated and it's like a really it's it's my favorite finale actually um right now at least but those two episodes are like my favorite finale because i love that everybody just it's like a little army and finally we see everybody being like okay no enough you know we're done i like it
1: with the exception of i'd also like to point out that like while they do form a a nice tiny little army to fight back they literally do not fight until they are sitting in their seats at graduation where they can literally be picked off one by one which is a phrase that you are probably familiar <laughs> with if you've seen a later episode. Like they still wait till the last minute in hopes of I don't know what, <laughs> but instead of like even being proactive in protecting yeah. themselves, they're like, "We'll wait until the atrocity comes." We'll to wait us.
0: until yeah, we'll wait until <laughs> they attack us before we take action, or like until we admit that. I mean I guess that was it It was like truly A life or death situation
1: Which I would like to tie To uh, the current treason Happening here in America So I think as of today We're like A Mm -hmm. week out From Mm -hmm. treason And quite literally um, There are senators Who Didn't want to say anything Until they were armed gunmen With zip ties Looking for them And building nooses Or gallows I'm told Gallows is the word Um, You know On the Capitol (laughs) (laughs) like you weren't ready to fight back you couldn't admit that there was racism that was in white supremacy and all of these things going on until literally you were pinned down in your office with people coming for you like so art imitating life also ignoring the problem of racism or the problem of vampires however you want to look at
0: it again like it's such a point of privilege to be able to wait you know Seriously. To be able to wait until you're confronted with it, because there are people who are confronted with it every day. Like, I'm uncomfortable when I'm in a room full of white people. I do not feel safe. I'm like, mm, this just doesn't feel good, and it's also exhausting.
1: Yeah, it is exhausting. Um, yeah, like it's actually kind of surprising that it takes Buffy so long to just be like, I'm done. Um, it's always surprises <laughs> me. It always surprised me that Willow, of all people, never was, like, I'm tapping out. Um, but, like, we'll get to to, to why that is um, as
0: we go along. Yeah, fun stuff. Party. Party people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part of why I liked Buffy so much as a kid was that it reflected that kind of part of my reality, even if I didn't fully understand that, that I, I always felt like there was something like justice to be fought for as a, as a child and like growing up. And I just like, I, I didn't have the words to articulate racism or systematic oppression the way that I do now. Um, God forbid, like anybody use the words white supremacy, but it, I felt it. I felt it constantly. And I felt that in the show somehow this like resistance resistance or this like resilience to a reality that is imposed on you and you just got to keep fighting as they say and i think it's it's part of it is her their refusal to
1: die um i think mm-hmm. it's really relatable for people of color like one of my favorite things to tell people mm-hmm. it's like when ruth bader ginsburg died and every woman who'd ever you know had a notorious rbg shirt was like oh god it's the end of the world and you know Like, I remember very clearly being on Twitter and going, look, I come from people who don't die easy. And I think most people can tell you, like, we came on boats, whether it was in the bottom of them or to escape persecution. You know, whether it was Mm -hmm. a rowboat from Cuba um, Mm -hmm. or Haiti or the bottom of a slave ship or getting here and the Chinese Exclusion Act saying you've got to go back. Like, people here don't die easy. Even hell, I'm going to say coal miners Like, the poorest Mm. of poor people do not die easy. And I think that's what a lot of people identify within Buffy. It's you're seen because you recognize, like, that strive to survive no matter what.
0: No matter what. No matter what. I remember when Trump was elected in 2017, right? No, he was elected in 2016, but, like, went into office in 2017. Is that right? And I remember my boyfriend at the time, the same one that... I was like, please don't touch me. After we saw Get Out, was like so devastated. He's he was like so devastated that Trump was elected into office, and it was it. Was, I was upset, yeah, I was upset. But listen, my parents come from Latin America. I have seen shit, you know, so much shit, and I exist right now because of things like that. I exist in the world because of coups that like that kind of happened and they tried that they tried to do in the U.S. My family moved here from Chile because the U.S. put people in power there and then killed a fuck ton of people and the same thing happened in Venezuela and it's anyway I'm not going to get into that right now but like my existence is that and so I know like I survived we survived we continue we've continued to make a living we've continued to thrive like on beside all circumstances like here I am you know on the podcast talking about this and my grandfather was disappeared by the fucking state in Venezuela by U.S. militia like militia so no like I'm not gonna die I'm not gonna die easily and that's what's so powerful about Buffy is like having well parts of it you know we critique it but we love it for certain for certain reasons and that's something that Buffy has like reminds me to keep fighting and that there is I can keep fighting I have power even if I don't look like her. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I fully agree with that. And I also think part that something that folds into that survival is that, like, you don't have to be the same person you were at the beginning of whatever the struggle was. Um, and you get to be lots of different people between whatever point and whatever point, which is something that doesn't mm-hmm. often happen in TV shows. Uh, a lot of characters start one way and are that way the whole way through. Or they start one way, and the there isn't a lot of in-between, but they suddenly become, like, the opposite, whether it's good or bad. Uh, this was a show mm-hmm. where you saw the genesis of every character. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the exception of a few, it was kind of like, all right, it's a little bumpy, but overall, we're gonna be fine and, and accept you and, and roll with it. Uh, and I think that's part of survival, It is part of survival. Like, you know, you're a doctor in a foreign country. You get here. They won't take your medical license. Great. You open up a store. Like, here in LA, um, something that's ubiquitous for us, if you've ever been to Los Angeles, is the pink donut boxes um, and the proliferation of donut shops. And it's actually because it was one of the only things that usually Vietnamese and Filipino, um, like, American citizens... It was the only business they were allowed to open, and there was like one place in like downtown LA, I think, that makes these pink boxes. And so it was representative of people who were doctors and lawyers and whatever. And the only thing they could do was bake donuts, like that mm. was it.
0: But like, and we see those pink boxes in Buffy all
1: the time, exactly. And so it's like they got they are somebody else between point A and point B. They have been many people mm-hmm. in order to to survive, you know. So yeah. I think you know that's, that's also it. part of part of the invisibility and visibility, if you will,
0: yeah, and that kind of ties into the denial of like people of color's value too, right is I mean we'll get more into it because there's episodes that like really do talk more about that, but the denial that you know immigrants come here and they can't have the same jobs that they had often, right like you're like you were just talking about I have a cousin that just came here and he was a doctor, and he cannot practice here um my grandfather was a teacher in chile and he worked in factory here so what you see is systemic and and a lot of society and white people and media like put immigrants down when they don't understand how much value they bring and and that here they do the job so that we can leave, live in luxury right like i can live in luxury so like and not that i have a cleaning lady but if i did it's like who else is going to come clean my house you know what i mean
1: yeah Oh, there's also, so that actually ties into, um, uh, Jesse and Cordelia. So like, Mm, yeah, people don't have value until you have some sort of power, um, which Mm -hmm. I think ties into like the model minority myth too. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, um, depending on where you are, uh, there are recruitment, uh, not recruitment quotas, but like there's a lot of headhunting, uh, at prestigious colleges for, Asian or Asian American kids because they assume that they are going to be STEM geniuses who will bring them research money. Um, They're, they're not valuable until there's power. And also once they get to campus, boy, does the racism jump out? Um, You know, black Mm -hmm. kids aren't super important unless you can put a ball through a hoop or an end zone, right? Mm -hmm. Black folks don't have value to colleges until you can do something and make them that NCAA money. Right. Um, and so that's like the invisibility. As much as I like,
0: <laughs> don't like using white dudes. You know what would have been example. cool. You know what would have been a co- like a cool character of color if Oz had been a person of color. Oh my god, a weird black boy. Yes, like th- we that would have been those. so <laughs> cool, man. Ah, uh, in a band playing bass. Being, like, awkward and And, of course, and he can notice Willow, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, of course, he would notice Willow because he's like, who's that invisible girl who's, like, actually super hot, you know? Yeah, I love how he tried to pretend and Hannigan wasn't attractive for, like, four <laughs> seasons. Like, excuse me?
1: <laughs> that ugly sweater, not hiding anything. <laughs> but, oh, my God, that's actually brilliant. Oz oh, is black. That needs to be a fan fiction. Somebody yeah, get on that. Man. I know somebody listening can do that for me.
0: Yeah, or like a weird Latino kid or an Afro-Latino kid or like a like any like literally that uh, would just be cool. It would be. And
1: honestly, every time a show has tried, it has been terrible. So like I don't think Joss Whedon could have messed it up any worse than anything else I've seen, to be honest. <laughs> Did you watch Runaways? Runaway? Oh wait, like the comic book one? Yeah. Yeah, I was obsessed. I was so upset when they canceled that. Yeah. That, that was that's, great. that's that was
0: good that uh, see runaways for a good example of children treatment of people of color please just a quick the runaways
1: is a currently running marvel comic book series you can get the trade it's actually pretty great it's set in los angeles but before disney bought um uh, marvel and everything marvel created there was a run a tv run uh i think it was three seasons uh and most of the kids are kids of color uh, one of them who mm-hmm. actually is white in the comics, they made Latina, and it's super good. It's teenage superheroes, but, like, in a realistic, like, this is what would actually happen if you had superpowers and you were a teenager
2: mm-hmm. kind of
1: thing. Mm-hmm. Um, So go read it. It's still running, and definitely
0: check out yeah. the show on Hulu. It's super good. And it's on Disney Plus now, too. Oh, great. It's on Disney Plus. There you go. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else to talk about in denial of... Killed by death? Or reality. Killed by death. We talked a little bit about it. like. They just gaslight her. So Killed by Death is the one where Buffy's in the hospital in season two. And it's the, it's the Freddy Krueger episode. It's yeah. the Nightmare on Elm Street episode that Kristen loved so much. <laughs> 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 like, they don't want to believe her. They just legit don't want to believe her. And, like, it makes no sense. Until there's proof.
1: And I think that's what, like, ties it's, it into invisibility. Like, mm-hmm. you could... Like, like, if all of your previous experience <laughs> with someone... Points to something. <laughs> but you, like, magically don't believe them. Um, I tie this to, uh, you know, police violence. So, mm-hmm. if we can, like, not count on our hands the number of, you know, black and brown people shot by cops um, flagrantly. <sighs> uh, please explain to no. me why every time it happens we go, that can't possibly be what happened, despite having video evidence. Right? It's that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> So this is that very specific moment where it's like, if you just stop ignoring history and contextualize this Mm -hmm. very specific thing, Mm -hmm. it actually Mm -hmm. makes quite a bit of sense.
0: Um, So it's like that invisibility Mm -hmm. of, of lived experience. It's just so blatantly embedded in society. If you just look, you know, all you have to do is just look and it's there and i think that the gaslighting is like ridiculous and and willow's always the only one who ever believes buffy you
1: because know, she's always the like the best hmm. one out of
0: all of them let's be clear she is <laughs> 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 that episode of Gangland when sanders like she was truly the best of us or like giles says like he- she was truly the best of us and sanders giles- and like much better than me and giles is like much much better than you <laughs> <laughs> No lies detected. And yeah, like again, like the fever, you can only see the monster if you have the fever and just like how racism is often only seen by the people who experience it. That's the truth. Yeah. You know, it's easier to see if you feel it. And sometimes it's even hard to see when you feel it because microaggressions are hard to decipher, you know, it's and it's a lot because they happen all the time. Microaggressions happen all of the time. And I think, you know, in June, for me personally, at least, I don't know how it was for EMAC, um, Maybe you were like, more in tune with your own experiences. But I was, like, having all of these flashbacks to experiences that I'd had. And I was, like, oh, that thing that felt off, that person was racist. You know? Over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, I definitely – I've definitely, like ha- – so I've, like, learned to be very heavily, like – Self reflective. And so I often like, okay, so if I've like done all the thinking about it on my end, that means there's something else happening and it is like one of like four things. Right. And I sort of assume I'll figure mm-hmm. out which one it is eventually. <laughs> it's like someone's yeah. being homophobic, someone's being racist, someone's being sexist. Like,
0: mm-hmm, someone's exactly. being ableist. And usually those are the four. Like for you and I. Yeah. And for you and I, it's both, right? It's, like, sexist and racist. So the sexism that we experience is always going to be combined with racism if it's coming from a white dude, like, always, or a white woman even. It's, like, they're together. And it's very rare that I think that I experience one isolated from the other one, frankly, because there's so much internalized racism, too. So – and I've acted shittily, too, to people of color. You know, I'm not going to say that I haven't.
1: Yeah, I think we all do until, like, we, you know – yeah you can't do better till you know better. That is not that quote, yeah, exactly. but like, y'all know what I mean. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think until a lot of us, honestly, I think a lot of us, until we get to college, which I think is unfortunate, like that gatekeeping of that in-depth analysis, mm-hmm. Um, thankfully mm-hmm. the internet's spreading that out. But I think for a lot of us millennials, until we got to college, <laughs> sort of deciphering yeah. the ways in which internalized um racism affected how we interacted with people was like, it was impossible until we got to college.
0: Yeah, it was. It was and it was hard to articulate. And I remember even talking about it with family members and saying, like, well, I wasn't given this opportunity. Like my blonde white friend was like cast as the lead in the play and not me, even though like I'm just as qualified um and just as talented because I'm not white. And family members were like, No, it's not that. Like it's not that and it's like, What do you mean? Of course it's that. But there's such a refusal also of I think our older generation—I don't know—at least my family—to like admit that to just confront that issue of like we don't have control over everything; the system does impact us.
1: Yeah, I think it. I think it also sort of comes up partially in in Buffy too, like if you work hard enough, it'll be mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that's no. categorically false. <laughs> categorically false, right? <laughs> And, and you know it's very much like like you're saying you know in your family well like the Watchers Council well if you follow these rules it'll be fine clearly not fine
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know if you follow these rules you will you will surely die before the age of twenty one yeah exactly
1: exactly it, it's it's that right it's the invisible and it is
0: that. It is that because I think society also tells us, like, if you follow these rules, you will – it's almost like I feel like I've been asked to give away my life, you know, my work, my value. I've been asked to believe that the things that I do are not significant or worthy of whatever, acknowledgement, payment, anything, and only now, you know, at 27, am I like, whoa, whoa, hold up. <laughs> hold <Yeah>. up. <laughs> that person is not going to look nearly as good without my support. That person is not going to have those ideas without my, without my support. My experience, my lived experience c- provides information that is so invaluable. And I was, like, being scammed into believing that it wasn't valuable.
1: Oh, yeah. We're taught to be self-sacrificing. like. Yeah. Just like Buffy is, right? Like you're gonna fight mm-hmm. until you die alone, until bleeding die. out somewhere. Yeah. Um. And
0: you and know, it's really weird that she's not alone and that she has friends helping her. That's weird,
1: right? That's and like wrong. they disapprove. And like you know the patriarchy, which is the the you know council, you know is like no 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 this is unacceptable, right? Um. And it's why people find it super unacceptable. Like when we took it to the streets this past summer, that you had people of all races and colors going. Let me tell you what, we're not going to do, right? That challenged the patriarchy in an extremely uncomfortable way because it wasn't people being self sacrificing, going, Oh, that's just another dead black man. It was a whole bunch of people coming together saying, <laughs> You thought. And like, people really hate it when I say this, and I say it all the time. You know, I was raised with the confidence of a mediocre white man. So, like, whenever I hear people go, like, <laughs> I was taught to Hell like, Yes, like, not, yes. When Other people are always like, You know, I don't raise my hand and I don't say things and I feel like, you know, imposter syndrome and I'm like, yo, that is not how I was raised. <laughs> if yeah. I want to say it, I'm going to say it. I if agree. I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I take up space when I walk yeah. in a room because I was not mm-hmm. taught any differently. Um, and mm-hmm. that's just the most basic of white men. Yeah. Like, get taught that, so...
0: Yeah. And that's how I was raised also. I was raised to take up space. I was raised to say my opinion. I was raised to raise my hand, you know? And I think a lot of that, you know, is me being myself in spaces and then feeling the backlash for that. It's not, it's not like walking into a space and not feeling like I can't do it. It's like I do it and then it's like, oh, shit. I guess I shouldn't have really done that, you know? Because then people are like, who the fuck is this girl coming in here and, like, having an opinion? being smarter than me, you know, articulating herself better with a better vocabulary or whatever. And I don't know. I just have, like, a big fuck you to that right now in this moment.
1: <gasps> fuck you! <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah, like, I always tell people, like, honestly, I was a really nice little girl until the world made sure I wasn't, and so I just function with a lot of spite. So, like, you want to have feelings mm-hmm. about me coming into space? By all means. Mm-hmm. You feel froggy? Leap. And we will work it out. <laughs> I will also say that I'm yeah, also six man. feet tall. So I am very intimidating. So most people generally don't want to try me after I've said my piece and been like, You got a problem.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> like you let's go. Yeah.
0: So like, I'm not gonna pretend like, you know, I'm five foot two and, and yeah. it, it could be
1: problems. Like I am fairly intimidating.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, love that, love that. I'm five foot six, but I can scrap. <laughs> yeah. And I will scrap. The little ones are always scrappy, too. <laughs> I'm not that little. I'm super, I'm above average. <laughs> I think hey. like we have this conversation
1: <laughs> on a regular basis about how you're, like, average size. <laughs> <laughs> I'm above
0: average. I'm tall. <laughs> uh, I'm 5'6.5. My mom measured me over the break.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. You're how old and your mother measured how tall you were.
2: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, move on to denial of existence, uh, and we've talked. We we were just talking a bit about this, right? So, yeah. like like we said, there are, it's all it's all interchangeable. The thing that really stuck out to me when I was doing my rewatch of season one, and what sparked this entire conversation, was Marcy becoming invisible. And I was like, holy shit, this is the most race relevant episode, actually. Yeah. Maybe in the series. Because like because it's nothing about
1: her that should make her less important than anybody else about her. It's literally the universe Mm -hmm. in high school, like that is your universe that she's in that so devalues everything about her. And if that ain't being a person of color, Mm -hmm. then I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. It actually, like, physically,
0: yeah. (laughs) I'm laughing, but literally my body physically hurts. Like, (laughs) I'm like, ugh. It just, it's like, the experience is so real, you know? The amount of times that I think I've walked into a room or been introduced to a friend of a friend or, like, so many rich white dudes who have literally, will literally just, like, look over me. Like, just over me. You know, or like look at me, realize I'm not white, and then look away is so, it's so, it's so many times, or like won't include me in conversation or just speak over me. It's so exhausting, you know? It's so exhausting, and it makes you believe that it's your fault. And I think that's, you know, why Marcy went crazy and out of mind, out of sight, because she thought it was something that she did. She thought it was something that she was doing, and she tried and she tried to be seen and tried to. Participate and was denied over and over and over again that participation in society. And that is just such a real experience. Yeah, and I always wonder if people
1: truly understand like, what it's they like. They
0: don't. They don't.
1: Because I think really some people don't. are like, well, you know, I got passed over for someone who's better looking. Okay, great. Guess what? You can get plastic surgery and straighten your hair. Or whatever. Black don't wash off. Like. <laughs> you know. No, Intrins stereotypes features. about like Asian men being. A masculine. Those don't just go mm-hmm. away. But those are reasons no, why we're away. overlooked. Like. Okay. This is my favorite weird thing that I know about. Um, Feel free to judge me everyone. It's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm yeah. going to judge you. So there's
1: this very interesting uh, dating community slash um, book community. Um, AMBW, Asian men, black women. It's it's a whole hot mess. (laughs) Do a deep dive on Tumblr one day if you just want to lose your mind. But (laughs) one of the interesting things that came from me doing a very deep and disturbing dive is an actual study that somebody did. First, it was just a dating site that did it and then actual researchers did it. (laughs) And the two groups of people who are least valued and least, like, picked and messaged on dating sites and are voted least desirable are Asian men because of the stereotype that they're masculine and Black women because of the stereotype that they're aggressive. And I was like, so
0: literally, scientifically,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's we're it. literally overlooked.
0: Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. And also just like it's such an invalidation of the our reality right like again it's like how are you not going to be angry when things are unjust and it's interesting there's
1: always a conversation about the angry black woman and it being a terrible stereotype and one that we need to move away from which like fine fair and true but also like we are angry and we have good reason to be angry there's
0: a lot of fucking reason to be angry that's it and it's like just let people be angry about the things that have been done to them and the things that continue to be done to them. Look, you know? we have
1: entire franchises about white men being angry. Like, yeah, like how many Joker yeah. movies do we have oh at this
0: point? Like- because they didn't get laid. We will accept a man's anger for not getting laid more than a black woman for all of the racism that she has to go through. Yep. <laughs> the fuck, the Joker. I think somebody posted this. The Joker should be a black woman. Yep. That was. I saw a meme. Infinitely I sense. saw a meme. And that like she fucking kills people who tell her that she should smile more. <laughs> that's like she's <laughs> okay. joking. On another sidebar, <laughs> honestly, one of the best scenes ever.
1: It's in, I think, the animated cartoon, though it might have been in a comic run. Uh, Ivy and Harley are in a car together and these dudes tell them to smile and just both of them <laughs> go off. And it is one of the hel- it's hilarious. I love that. Just – there should be – more villains should be women, frankly.
0: <laughs> more villains should be women. <laughs> yeah. I saw a really funny TikTok, too, the other day of a woman who is, like, made her, like, bitch face, which is just, like, not smiling, right? It's just not smiling. And then it's, like, when a man is has, like, a serious look on his face, he's, like, thinking about something really important. He's having a really important thought. And when a woman has is having a really important thought, she's a bitch. Which, like, I'm fine with. Bitches get shit done. (laughs) Super fine with. Yeah, man. Bitches do get shit done. And if you're intimidated by me being a bitch, like, you can just show yourself out.
1: Right? (laughs) It's like, you're telling on yourself. Yeah. So, like, back to the episode. I love our tangents. Back to the
0: episode. Yeah. So great. Yeah, like, they, like, Marcy, and that's what we were just talking about, like, Marcy's anger towards, like, you know, she can become a homicidal homicidal maniac because she's invisible. I don't know that I would do the same thing or that people of color would go the same route, but, like, it's the same thing of her anger being justified. Of course, she, she's so angry. Why would she not be?
1: Yeah, like, one of the base things that you need as a human is, like, acknowledgement and human contact. Like, they so do studies <laughs> on babies rot- yeah. about this, like. and she's oh, not getting it from babies. anywhere. And I think the interesting parallel isn't necessarily Buffy, but I would say Willow, who also Mm. not getting a lot of attention from all the places you would think she would, but she has the Scoobies. And yes, are they bonded in, you know, grave soil and blood, but, (laughs) you know,
0: they are giving her that and Marcy doesn't have that. Yeah, she has nothing. I think it would be really interesting if we had known more about Marcy's home life. Like, was she a foster kid? Because that would add up.
1: I mean, I also think just because it is Clea Duval in the middle of, like, the 90s and 2000s, that she was also probably gay. Just because it's mm. a Clea Duval character. <laughs> I think casting Clea Duvall uh, might have been a very unsettled, coded Joss message. Mm. As we discover with lots yeah, of shows maybe. from this era, as people are doing retrospectives and they're rebooting shows, they're going, oh yeah, we couldn't do it very explicitly, so we did this instead. But then she also, she found her community with other people like
0: her. Again! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing, too, of like people of color are not recruited by the fucking FBI to be spies. I mean,
1: Pro tells us otherwise. The American Indian Movement tells us otherwise. So in fact, there's a precedent, in fact... <laughs> For people of color okay. being recurrent.
0: <laughs> you know what? I take that back because, like you said, Nikki, like, people who have to survive will survive, will fucking survive. Yeah. And they'll blend in. And, like, we we had this conversation when we were talking about Anne about how Buffy has never been good at undercover because she's never had to be. But a person of color would be fucking great at, at undercover. Yeah. you have to blend in. You have to be able to speak in the way that people around you are speaking, wherever you are. And... Dress accordingly, act accordingly, stand accordingly. So I, we're moving basically into denial of existence. Yeah. Oh, we. No, no, we are there. So Anne.
1: Anne is such a. It's such an episode.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like we need to take a break and get a cocktail, but we're not
2: going to do that. <laughs> Would be nice. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie, anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
0: This is the story of Harry Dallowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
2: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, first things first is um, she can cut and run. Like, find mm-hmm. me a person of she color can. who can just cut and run. No. <laughs> I mean, people do it. They find
0: a way to do it, right? They do. Yeah. But there's but usually great
1: consequences.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about the episode and, like, in my rewatch and and the fact that Buffy uh, – you were just saying this, like, that she had enough money to leave and enough information and background to be able to find an apartment, have a credit check maybe, or, like, b- get a job and be stable. In L.A., like, wherever she was on her own at 16 is a lot of privilege. And, like, they they make this comparison in this episode between her and Lily and that she's just strong, you know? She's just stronger than Lily, like, emotionally and mentally. And it's like, yo, Lily has been surviving out here for a minute. And Buffy, like, comes from a place and a background and a support system where she could thrive even on her own because she knows, A, she can always go back. Yep. And because she had enough information to do so. Where Lily has been, like, on her own. And I just, I don't know. I have a hard time buying that she would have been so reliant on other people taking care of her in order to survive.
1: It's unrealistic. So, like, uh, that is a, like, disadvantaged character being written by somebody who's never been disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Were Mm -hmm. you the one who's telling me, like, when Gabby Dunn recently was talking about how, like, If Faith had been in Mm -hmm. Buffy's shoes and um, Buffy's mom had died, like, she would have had a plan. It's that sort of thing where it's – Faith isn't written that way. But, like, (laughs) notice, Faith is always fine. She lands on her feet by herself. Mm -hmm. Buffy gets caught Mm -hmm. by other people. Um, And so this character, in writing another disadvantaged character, likes to pretend that, like, these characters need to be taken care of. And Buffy is, you know, the one taking care of them. It's very interesting. I I think uh, Gunn is written similarly. Even though he's clearly in charge, he's still written as like needing angel investigations to like make him legit.
0: Uh, Again, to validate him. Yeah, his validation. Fucking, but it's that, it's exactly what we're just talking about. It's like all of the work and planning and organization that Gunn did before he came to angel organizations. Angel Investigations, excuse me, is not valid until he is surrounded by a bunch of white people and doing it for a bunch of white people. And like, like kind of quote unquote, like for the right reasons, you know, which is like literal bullshit. It's not real. It's, it's false. It's very thin fabrication. So then like this episode continues and continues and Like Ken says, kids come here and they have nothing to go home to. And there's no, again, like there's no, I think in this episode that's really missing is there's no like context of the system. It's just like kids just show up here and they like die, they like go missing and die. And it's not like they go there to become invisible because the system allows it to happen that way.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, okay, I know we don't like propaganda shows, whatever. I watched a lot of Law & Order SVU, okay? Um, and so the, the that wording of they have nowhere else to go, they're invisible, that's used by sex traffickers all of the time. Hmm. Usually hmm. when applied to kids of color from any social class or white kids in foster care or kids in foster care in general, right? But we don't bring that context into the world of Buffy. And, like, I live in L.A. All of those things exist in Los Angeles, but we never bring it into real context because then we would actually have to be, like, who is actually being sex trafficked? Because then it really would be a bunch of kids of color. Mm. Uh, who mm-hmm. are the throwaway kids? It would be kids, <sighs> you know, with drug problems. Why do they have drug problems? Because abuse. Why are a lot of them abused? Because they come from either direct family trauma or, yo, it's traumatic being a kid of color. You got to cross through four gang territories to get to school when you're, like, 11. The cops have roughed up your brother or you. Like,
0: <laughs> There's just not that many options. Yeah. The system is – it's – you know, we use the word oppression, I think, so often and so casually. But we think about oppression. It's a feeling of claustrophobia. It's a feeling of like feeling so tight and you have – you don't have that many places to go. You don't have that many places to turn or paths that you can take. literally. And you feel that. You like can physically feel it in your body, you know, and – I think that's why it's so important that we take up space and we're taking up space here in this conversation. Like, hey, we're here. We have opinions. We have a truth and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And people are going to listen, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, if we if we want to look at not
1: just buffering, but I think if you look at any podcast and there's several about Buffy or the Vampire Diaries or any sort of pop culture, like, 99% of them are entirely white. And even the ones that people of color... Almost all of them will say it's quite literally because white people are not having these conversations or inviting folks to have these conversations or are even have multi-ethnic or multi-racial um, hosts, right? So, like, even, like, yeah. level of oppression, like, even when we just want to talk about some shit, we have to talk about it in the frame of being the opposite of, of white people.
0: Yeah. Because, like, I would love to just talk about fucking Bonnie
1: on The Vampire Diaries, but we also have to talk about, like, why Damon as the bad guy is, like, super hot and worthy and I can't name a single (laughs) black guy who's the bad guy on a TV show that we are all obsessed with.
0: Yeah. Same with Spike. We love him, but, like, can't think of a single black guy (laughs) that has the same. No, that's a great... You know, I'm going to think about that for the next few days. I'm going to think about if I've ever seen... Oh, I mean... Okay, not on a TV show. The Black Panther, but that was on purpose.
1: Oh, but that's also just Michael B. Jordan. Like, <laughs> I know, but he's so
0: hot. I, like, <laughs> like, nobody he can never speak a word. I mean, he like, literally doesn't yep. need to speak a word. Does not need to speak any words, none. But, like, it's great when he does, though. But, yeah. like, also just doesn't. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that was great. That was fucking great. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> So yeah, it's just, um, it's one of those things, yeah, where you just,
1: you go, okay, everything we do is an opposition, because, like, you know, we talk about Willow on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone ever talks about Bonnie uh, from The Vampire Diaries in the same way we talk about Willow, even though mm. their power levels are analogous, to be quite honest. And note, mm. you know, spoiler, it, Bonnie so... doesn't go super yeah, evil don't... and try to end the world. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: I think about that, too. Like, Willow goes and is like, I'm going to end all the pain for everyone because I can. It's um,
1: the school shooter theory. Um, yeah. So it- white men, and some women, but mostly men, um, they're raised to believe that their problems are the world's problems, um, whereas people of color are taught that when things are wrong, it's something inherent about themselves, which is why they drink themselves to death. They do drugs, etc. Same thing with women. Um, they destroy themselves.
0: that's it that's literally it that is that's it that's the biggest difference is that you are taught that it is when you're a person of color you're taught that it is you you are the problem and you're not the problem you're not the problem they're the problem (laughs) you know and it's a lot it takes a lot to truly believe that and I'm still working on it personally I think about like so many times in my life where I've come out and been like, oh, I did something wrong. I was inappropriate. I'm not likable or whatever. And like only more recently, I'm like, nah, they're just racist. <laughs> Hashtag
1: they are racist. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's like a very universal experience where like people will tell you that like you are wrong. You are too aggressive. You are not ladylike enough. You are, you know. Too sexy, which is what a lot of my Latina friends get, mm. um, and even a lot of my Asian mm-hmm. friends get. Like I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you telling an adult mm-hmm. woman uh <laughs> with a job wearing business clothes that she is too sexy? Excuse you? Like, so that's very accurate. And even it's a problem. In world, there is something inherently wrong with Kendra. No, there isn't. There's, There's nothing something wrong inherently it. wrong with Kennedy, and everyone hates her. No, there isn't. She's just not the white girl Tara that we all want. And yeah. my favorite, yeah. Faith, who was our stand-in for a black woman, uh, there's nothing inherently mm-hmm. wrong with her. She's, what, 16 yeah. when she shows up? There's nothing wrong with her.
0: She just is a survivor. But she's taught that she is wrong and she is bad. Kennedy she's had to survive. Yeah, She's been in circumstances where she was forced to survive, and she's shamed for having been in those circumstances. And that's it. It's like being shamed... For the places where society puts you and you doing what you have to do to get through it.
1: Yeah. Same thing with Kendra. Kendra did her job. She was alone, mm-hmm. had a watcher, was taught how to be a slayer.
0: Why didn't her watcher come to
1: Sanito? Because she's black. Like, I swear to God, no fucking
0: supervision.
1: <laughs> like, no fucking supervision. Same thing with, like, Kennedy. It's like, I'm sorry. She is a potential. She showed up. She did her job. She was the queer one. She connected with Willa. Like, she was put in a situation she didn't ask for. And she's super hot. She really is. She's just literally not Tara. Like, <laughs> this is literally yeah. what it is. And she's made to be unlikable. Yeah.
0: Just like Kendra is. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, like Rona. Exactly. Yeah. Just like Forrest. Just oh, like... Forrest. <laughs> Forrest. We'll save, we'll save that conversation. We'll talk about this. Well, look, we, you know, we'll talk about this another time. To get back to Anne, let's get, let's come back, <laughs> bring it. Um, back. <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's reel it in. You know, all these kids are taken off the street, and we kind of, you know, but we talked about this a bit. But to to kind of just like tie it into the point is that these kids are taken off the street because they are invisible to society, and they are forced to work as slaves like brainwashed and put into believing that they are no one to benefit. We don't even know who until they literally shrivel up and die. And then they are spit back out because they're no longer wanted and because they can't work anymore. I'm sorry, please just like, do I even need to say it clearly? Like, I mean, I will say it. That is the school to
1: prison pipeline. That is sex trafficking. That is every way in which Mm -hmm. we take kids of color or I will even say uh, working class kids Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. tell them that they are nothing and that there is nowhere that they can go. And then when they Mm -hmm. end up in jail, usually on some trumped up charge, I'd like to point out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we get really surprised when they come back out and they commit crime. Well, you didn't really give them a lot of options. Yeah. Like, you know, someone who taught at middle schools in, in mostly um underserved communities and I look at what those middle schoolers were learning versus what I learned I was like you're setting these kids up for failure 100% yeah, 100% anyway poppy goes something is wrong here and then she <laughs> white woman's her way uh to the front she tries to quite literally white savior <laughs> the situation uh she tries to go in super stealth but she is terrible at uh, going undercover, so she quite literally kicks her way in, gets herself captured because, per usual, she doesn't have a plan other than to kick her way in. She is the only one who remembers who she is and her name, and she is the one that has the strength to remember and to quite literally white savior all of the other people who have been uh, stripped of their identity and disappeared. Uh, the problem with that being there has not been a single revolution in which it is a soul, deeply empowered, uh, stronger than everyone else white woman who has saved the day. Uh, the implication (laughs) that any of these, like, honestly, like, like Buffy doesn't have the resiliency, uh, to do that because she's never had to survive. While Lily, who's had to survive realistically would in fact be the one, uh, to remember who she is to be able to survive mm-hmm. and hold into her identity mm-hmm. because that's what you have to mm-hmm. do in order to survive again it's my mm-hmm. faith argument faith never stopped being faith because faith knows who she is at her core and has had to maintain that in order to survive this entire bit is buffy saving people who in reality would save themselves <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> that is yeah that is it <laughs> And also, like, Buffy has had to survive, you know, obviously, like, we've seen her fight to survive and we've seen her die and come back um, at this point once. She has had to fight to survive under a very different uh, circumstance. Yeah. Under a circumstance of a lot of support, a lot of privilege, a lot of safety. I mean, you know, and uh, like, obviously, she's been unsafe because, you know, demons, vampires, the hellmouth. But not the kind of, un- like, Instability, I guess, that these street kids have had to come from. Yeah. The type of unsafe that they have experienced. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So our last point of denial of value, which we have talked about a lot, um, but the episodes that are, I think, really tackle this are Checkpoint and Helpless. Yes. The Replacement and Lies My Parents Told Me. You know, you said earlier and I just completely agree with you that the Watchers Council is just the perfect example for white supremacy and like why they two times in two episodes come in and say, we're going to test whether or not your value is accurate. (laughs) Not only that, we're going to strip you of everything that you have to make you powerful and see if you can still succeed. What the actual fuck?
1: (laughs) That's quite literally what Angel does, like, Angelus. <laughs> like, when you're doing what the evil vampire does, I think we should think about our choices. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, they're the same. Angel is an evil white dude. That's how evil white people act. Yep. I mean, it's kind of
1: like um, almost almost any, like, workplace that you've ever been to, especially, like, big ones— Mm. somehow it's always, like, someone who got hired because they knew a manager uh, somehow becomes a manager and gets, like, questioned mm-hmm. the like, five people of color and or women uh, who work there. <laughs> and they're like, I expect you to achieve what I have achieved. And exactly, I have achieved it. And, like, if you can't, you need to go. And it's like, buddy. <laughs> Context.
0: Yeah, it's not how it works.
1: I mean it's also the college experience for a lot of people of color so like you're taken from often communal so like not to cast wide nets but like most cultures that are not waspy um white anglo-saxon protestant are very communal it's like you know multiple generations living in houses you know your babysitters that your cousin or your auntie or whatever like there's a lot of community care within the family and the wider community and then i get to college and it is designed for and by white people uh who really are like independent you are in college the most important thing is you studying the most important thing is you doing research the most important thing is that you will get through this by yourself and then find a person and the two of you will spawn <laughs> a human and you will take care of that human uh, <laughs> just saying and it's very hard like that's impossible when you come from a communal place because like mm. you know that you know my favorite example is you know that like that uber ride to like that that unnecessary class field trip is somebody else back home's like bus there for a month buffy and the scoobies are a communal thing that keep each other alive and the watcher's council is like nope we designed this so you must die
0: uh, and you're not dying <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> right like in in checkpoint they I, I mean it was such an infuriating episode to watch and i remember when when christian and jenny did the did the episode for it they were also infuriated if there was ever a place for like the white supremacy jingle it is here now like the whole episode should just have been the fucking white supremacy jingle they come in They shut down Giles' store to, like, verify that it's up to snuff or whatever. They tell Buffy that they want to make sure that her methods are good enough to handle the information that they're going to give her. Because if they don't verify it, then, like, she can't be capable of handling the information. Which, what are they going to do with that information anyway? I mean, like, luckily she figures it out. And she's like, oh, y'all are just fucking – sad and alone and have nothing to do and so you're blackmailing me into like you're gaslighting me into thinking that I don't have power in the situation which is literally false and that's exactly what I was talking about
1: earlier I think it actually ties all the way back to what you were saying of like people of color constantly being told that they are like not enough and that there's something wrong with them um and like not Mm -hmm. learning from experience
0: yeah and that also like ties ties into Xander's like understanding of himself in the replacement, like the Xander that we follow that we think is, is the real Xander and his insecurity that the other Xander is better than him and should have his life and can live it better. Like, isn't that such a real feeling that I'll never be good enough. Yeah. And I think it's, I, and
1: you know, again, like I always, I have to remind people that like Xander is the Joss Whedon insert. Um, but, like, Xander handles it mm-hmm. in the same way that, like, most people of color would handle it. Uh, his friends go, I'm going to smack you upside the head and, and be like, get your life together. <laughs> like, which I think is is quite interesting. Right? <laughs> which just tells us that Joss has none of those people in his life, mm. uh, considering mm. his behavior. But his stand-in <laughs> <laughs> um, has the right people who are like, Oy-ee. buddy, get it together. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And and it makes me sad to see, like, watching it through this lens this time, like, knowing that it was going to be an issue, knowing that this was going to be the topic, but watching Buffy think that she wasn't valuable and watching her doubt herself and watching her think that she had to work harder, that she had to prove something. It was just so relatable as a person of color in so many situations where I, like, I'm trying to fight the impulse to prove myself constantly. <laughs> Yeah, I, like,
1: again, like, v- vastly different upbringings, different places. Um, I've definitely been like the, the cut off your nose, spite your face girl most of my life. Um, So actually, it <laughs> yeah. was another friend who watched it, who like had that experience of perpetually mm-hmm. trying to prove themselves. Because I've always been like, I am here. I did the thing. If you would like more, well, then you should have asked for that. So mm-hmm. I, for me, mm-hmm. it was actually really eye opening. And I think it's partially class as well it's like an intersection of, of race and class
0: because mm-hmm. i For sure
1: you know was you know still living and was raised in like a nicer part of los angeles well a, a more affluent part of los angeles and so like the concept of proving oneself like <laughs> wasn't mm. something instilled in us very much like oh he did the work great obviously there were situations in which people tried to impose that but like again that confidence of a mediocre white man and went right over my head
0: that that was something that, like, they were were (laughs) requesting of me. (laughs) And, like, also in this episode, her fucking history professor dude, who, like, is not down to hear her perspective or her input on what could have been happening with... It's Rasputin, I think, right? That they're talking about. It's just, like, so infuriating to watch. But she just, like, dismisses anything she has to say like laughs her out of the room and humiliates her for having for having a different opinion and he's like some of us are here to study history like it's called studying history and it's like yo <laughs> who's history
1: not even who's history who translated this history who took down this history because i would like to remind everybody uh that many of uh, books of the bible and lots of old-timey stories were translated by monks who are historically extremely conservative and and, and squeamish mm-hmm. when it comes to sex and violence, just putting that out there. So like, whose history, who translated that history? Because even if accurate history was conveyed, who translated it from whatever archaic Latin it was into English, right? Um, you know, we learn more and more mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, like as people are dying, uh, and first person narratives through letters are becoming yeah. public, we're learning that a lot of you know, like we had a whole gay president. Did I know that? Yes. Did most people know that? No. But, like, it's now becoming clear. Or even, you know, Malcolm X. Most people Mm -hmm. don't know that he was a hustler. But, like, and by hustler, no, I don't mean rich white ladies were paying him. I mean he had sex with dudes for money. Um, (laughs) Most people don't know that. Mm. Even more, like, people, the history of him is, like, he's super anti-white people and blah, 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 blah. He also had, like, a long-term relationship with a white man. So, (laughs) like. Like, who's history? Who's telling the history? Because both of those things mm-hmm. are two things that are not mm-hmm. in the autobiography of Malcolm X. They are not in the movie about his life. <laughs> but they're factual things that have been confirmed. Mm-hmm. You know? So I that that's sort of what comes to mind with the, the history professor, where I'm just like, what? Like, history is
0: not static as much as we would like it to be. I think he needs to go study his history. Well, even like Chris he needs to go educate himself, sir. Well,
1: even like things that we know that we think mm-hmm. we know. So, like, um, there's a famous picture of the Nazis burning books, right? It's famous, it's in every freaking history book. What they don't mm-hmm. tell you is that those books were at, um, it was I forget the it was a very long name in German, but basically, it was an institute that studied sexuality, and a lot of those books were about trans folks experiences it was documenting some of the first gender reassignment surgeries and hormone therapy and queer identities that they burned those histories are gone those are the only copies they erased those people in their existence off the face of the planet they never tell you that about that picture
0: yeah and in the episode Giles is the only one who really calls out i mean not the only one but he he calls it out he says like she fails if you don't if she doesn't do whatever you say and that's it right that's just like such an such an allegory For the reality of like women for sure, women of color, even more, people of color, one hundred percent, that society tells you if you don't follow the rules exactly, then you will fail. Like you will be punished. And many, many, many people are punished by society. Oh yeah. When they don't even have an option not to.
1: Whether you're, you know, a professor with a PhD or you're a Ramley girl, no one cares. Like you will be punished. (laughs) You're either Mm -hmm. too uppity with that degree Mm -hmm. or if you don't Mm -hmm. have one, you're, like, ratchet and low class.
0: Yeah. I mean, luckily, Buffy realizes and she, like, realizes how much power she has and how much power they don't have. And that's why they're making her feel like she doesn't have power. And that's another just clear metaphor for what is experienced and what I was talking about earlier of, like, holy shit, my experience, my education – my background, the culture that I've experienced, the diversity is so fucking valuable, monetarily valuable to myself, to others, to anything that I touch will increase in value. And it took me so long to even get here, you know?
1: Yeah, because of the rules that it's were very impressed upon you by patriarchy and white supremacy and, like, that is Buffy moving from, like, Her own value being invisible to herself, like not just her power being invisible to the Watchers Council, but her own power being invisible to herself to moving to a place where she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah,
0: that's it. Yeah, to all the people of color, Black, Indigenous, people of color listening to this episode, you are so valuable. You are so worthy and you can – You can, like, you can monetize that if you want to. (laughs) And if you don't want to, also respect. But, like,
1: yeah, look, if what you want to do is, like, tell stories and raise kids, guess what? That is every bit as valuable as, like, wanting to get a PhD and teach on, like, a wider level. If What you want to be is, I could call them street corner academics. If you want to drop your knowledge via like pissy tweets and Instagram posts, that's every bit as valid as getting a degree. If like your way of expressing your life and your choices is making traditional jewelry or passing on stories or passing on stories through food, whatever it is, like who you are, you are valuable. You don't have to prove that to anybody you don't have to reach yeah. anyone's benchmark. No. And like that's what the world teaches you. Like here is the like status that we've we have as white people like have like created and here's where like they expect us to reach. You don't got to do any of that. If all you do today is is breathe, you're good.
0: Yeah. And never think that someone is better off without your work because they will suffer without it. Mhm. They need you. Um lies my parents told me real fucking interesting episode. I really loved it, actually. I hadn't watched it in years, because I was like, no, that's like a sad, scary episode. And I watched it, like, now as an adult who's been through therapy, and I was like, holy shit, this episode's fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> we never watch Angelus murder a slayer. Ever. and And he's generally implied to be the one that we're supposed to like. <laughs> but What Mm -hmm. I find interesting is that Nikki Wood goes toe-to-toe with Spike every step of the way. And that's what I find interesting. So whenever Mm -hmm. Angelus is going after somebody, even Buffy, she's at a disadvantage because she loves him. You know, when he's going Mm toe-to-toe with, I think he goes toe-to-toe with Spike at least once. Like, there's always a bit of disadvantage. Mm -hmm. This is the only character I've seen go tit-for-tat, like you know punch for punch with spike and there's something about that that i think was so empowering in an episode that was so painful otherwise (laughs) Mm. it's like you know buffy had to literally be like on her knees with like a sword pointed at her for her to find like the ability to fight back like we meet nikki wood who's a mother with a kid with everything to lose with spike at his prime and like again she doesn't die easy And, like, there's just something about that in the midst of this, like, horrible
0: episode. She doesn't back down. At all. And I think this is, like, an interesting thing, again, that happens where her value as a mother is invalidated by Spike because she had a job to do. Because she had a mission and that somehow makes her less of a mother. And I think that's really common for working moms that society tells you that you're not a good mother because you have a career that you need to pursue. And literally Nikki has to save the fucking world. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that she didn't love Robin any less, you know? And we look at the situation. We look at Spike's mom living in this like beautiful house, rich, dying, Caring, quote unquote, for her son. I don't like what, like what I don't even know what we want to label that relationship, but obviously not the healthiest one. You know, not like not a real example. I mean, we don't really see a clear example of like motherhood in either of them, but Nikki didn't have the opportunity. Like the Watchers Council kind of comes in and goes, "This is your life now," and and we that doesn't mean that she wasn't a good mother, and we just didn't see it because. That's isn't that the case of so much labor of black women is that we just don't see it doesn't mean it wasn't done. Yeah. And like, you know, even like as part of Spike's backstory, we
1: actually know more about his mother than we do about Nikki, who is in fact Wood, who becomes like a basically main character's mother. We don't know anything about her. We don't know a whole lot about Wood
0: either. Yeah. Yeah. And also something that stuck out to me a lot was Spike had the power and the privilege to save his mother from death. Like, he had to kill her because he couldn't live with what he ended up creating or, like, what he ended up being faced with. He couldn't deal with it, so he killed her. But Robin couldn't save his mom because he didn't have any power to. He was a tiny little baby, and he couldn't save her from Spike, you know? But Spike could save his mother from the illness that she was faced with.
1: Yeah, and I think what's most interesting, too, is, again, also, Wood is somewhat punished for that. Because wood comes in, and and what it's made him is hard and and angry, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not like yes, I'm going mm-hmm. to follow the mantle of this girl who Rightfully is like half so. my age, and it's and it's something that we are uncomfortable with, right? Like abandonment, and and that sort of thing. It's supposed to make you either self sacrificing, or like a super broken person that we can save and pity. And we don't think about the fact that like the trauma of loss and and also probably the trauma of watching his mom fight spike on a regular basis um it can make you hard and angry and mean, and that's okay, but we are so uncomfortable with that in general, really and okay.
0: especially coming from people of color yeah. and especially in this universe, and especially when it goes against what Buffy wants <sighs> um we missed like well one point kind of in relation to. Lies my parents told me not only like is her work Nikki's work as a mother just not validated but also like that idea that black and indigenous people cannot be good parents often is like that's generally the case and like people of color but there's different again degrees to that but especially black and indigenous people are not permitted even to be good parents and often in canada not permitted to be parents at all 50% 50% of kids in foster care are indigenous when indigenous people make up something like, oh, I don't want to get the statistic wrong now, not more than 15% of the population.
1: Oh, similar here. Um, There's a, there's a huge conversation, especially yeah. in um, the Midwest where a lot of uh, our indigenous people were pushed onto reservations. You know, you'll take a kid, uh, because their family doesn't have running water and then you'll give their foster parent $40,000 a year Mm -hmm. in money and food stamps and help when you could in fact, just give that money to To the parents.
2: So
0: fucked up.
1: Yeah. Or even just, you know, it's also about culture too. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. no, they're not living in a house with, you know, heat, but like pioneers live that way. Like it's, it's not gonna, it's not great, but it's not going to kill them they're still getting the school. They're still just this home doesn't meet sort of like a white Anglo Saxon Protestant level of like it's just this is what it means to live.
0: Yeah. It's just another method of assimilation. It's another method of you know, they don't have the residential schools anymore, but they have the foster Oof. care system. Yeah. So it's the same thing. And and in this episode, I mean, Robin goes to live with his watch Robin um Robin goes to live with Nikki's watcher. We don't know who the watcher is or how he was raised or whatever, but it's safe it's, to extrapolate. He was that not allowed to dude. be. Re- yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> a white dude yeah. with money, probably yeah. British. Can. Well, yeah, because again, my favorite character, I will keep saying that, um, juxtapose faith, <laughs> uh, and, and would mm-hmm. the, the one who had to survive Both. on and her own, would. Yeah, uh, right. who is, who is our stand in for black women yeah. and the black guy who was definitely raised by white people. Who is more easily and quickly accepted? Mm -hmm. How does he get to be principal and she gets to be a con, a convict?
0: It's proximity to whiteness. Absolutely. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Proximity to whiteness is so fucking important. It makes a huge difference. Yep. In like your life and privilege that you will have. Like it just does. Proximity to whiteness makes it just changes the game. The struggle is real. And we can get into that another time, I think. Yeah. Maybe in the Instagram live. (laughs) So we have an Instagram live that we will be like answering questions about this episode um, on the 23rd 23rd. of January. Mac put some articles up related to this episode, to our discussion, that people can go read and it's basically like suggested reading. Suggested reading, (laughs) yes. So I think you can submit questions to us. On yes, the, I believe uh, that there's a way to submit slash InvisiBIPOC.
1: Yes, I think there's a way to submit questions potentially on the website, but I also know like email's an option. And I know during the live, somebody will be looking at like the, the stream and we'll potentially be able to catch questions there. It will not be us mm-hmm. watching the stream mm-hmm. because we have to talk and my brain mm-hmm. can't do both of those things.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> got to focus. Yeah. So we hope that you enjoyed it. If we missed anything, message us. We can discuss it in the Instagram live. Super down to do that. And like really super excited to see everybody there. Please you know, join us. Uh, I can't remember the time that it's going to be at, but it should be. It'll be in a post on Buffering, maybe in the show notes here also. And um, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. I'll talk to you you next time also. (laughs) Thank you. It's always fun. Okay. Bye. Bye.